You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Michael Morley, Tony Groves, William Gibson. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good evening. Well... Let's jump right into it. NASCAR iRacing Series uh, was Michigan for the last uh, seven days or so there. Uh, Wednesday fixed. Uh, man, I am just on a bad streak. I don't know what my deal is. I looked at my stats. I don't have any NIS wins this year. And I've never lost so much iRating in my life. I've gone from 3,500 down to about 2,700. And that's a lot. And... Uh, this week was part of that. So uh, P32 uh, on Wednesday fixed. I spun off on uh, turn two by myself, nosed it right into the inside wall, three minutes optional, ran around a few laps, uh, a few more laps, and then it started smoking, uh, which was kind of different. It was like all of a sudden it was fine, and it started smoking, and then I pitted. It was still running when I pitted, and then 31 minutes damage. Yeah, that's too bad, Mike. I was actually looking at your stats last night. And I was kind of feeling bad with those drops. With that big little arch you have right now. Yeah, there's something to it. I just got to get my finger on it. You know, is it just racing luck? Is it me? Is it my equipment? Is it my... What is it? Well, for the most part, well, in the last couple of weeks since I've been around, it's definitely bad luck for the most part. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, this wreck, this wreck was my fault. I mean, I spun off. And this was before they made an adjustment uh, via hot fixed, I think, the next day. So I remember fixed <clears throat> Mike being super, super loose, I think, uh, especially at the beginning. Yeah, so on their first update, they, I, I honestly really liked it loose, but a lot of people didn't. And um, it's just what it is, right? Like, it was super loose and the, uh, yeah. I guess I can't really skip ahead to Thursday on the new update. Well, <laughs> let's talk about Chris's race. So he ran that with me, or he was in a different split. He ran top 10 most of the race, actually. Uh, P6 for the one-lap shootout. He was in a good spot. But the front row had 50 lap tires. Um, they had not. They had stayed out. And so they wrecked uh, him and most of the leaders, and so he ended up P15. Yeah, that's too bad for Chris. He's been driving pretty good lately. He's been also been run, running through some bad luck lately. All right, and then uh, Mike, you led the way that night, Wednesday Open. You got top five. Tell us about your race. Um, Wednesday Open. Yeah, Wednesday yeah. Open. That was a. It, uh... it was a pretty good race. Like I'm not gonna lie, it was good car, good setup. Um. Great track. I love Michigan. I don't, I don't know. I love it. I love how you can just power off the corners. Um, but there really isn't that much to say about Wednesday's open race. It, it was a P5, right? So I guess yeah. that's good. Uh, I mean, that's great. Uh, Tony, you also had a top 10, uh, and they fly the Canadian fl colors there at Michigan, I believe. I can't hear you. Can you guys hear him? 
No, I think he's having microphone issues. Okay. Well, I know Tony had a good run. Uh, let's hopefully he'll get that straightened out. Uh, P10. He said he actually got caught a lap down pitting under green when a caution came out and couldn't get it back. Got doored and sent to the infield for a nice look at the new grass particles. Uh, they're pretty, he said. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he wasn't too pleased with that. He had to actually uh, drive around and look at those grooves all night long, and he wasn't too pleased, I don't think. Hey, Tony? Well, I guess he might not have it back yet. But Well, Michigan's a perfect track for that, to see those uh, you know tracks through the grass every time you go down the front stretch because you're kind of up on the banking, and you can look down at the grass right there, and it's very noticeable. Yeah, it's beautiful. User entered your channel. Job. Right. And so, uh, anyway, I, let's talk about my race, uh, Wednesday open P 34. Ooh, another bad, bad result. I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. I got caught up in a wreck on the start of the race. Okay. 15 minutes damage went out, uh, one quarter of a lap and the engine blew after getting my 15 minutes fixed. And so what happened was on the initial start, I think it was like three rows in front of me. The guy on the outside spun his tires. He went to the inside. Uh, the guy behind him ran him over, and it was on. And I just got caught up in it, and there's nothing I could do. You know, It was horrible. That was probably the worst I've ever finished, You know, where I can't even get to turn one. You know, It was bad. Yeah, I, I kind of felt bad for that race. I remember being on TeamSpeak and you hearing it and you weren't too happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and you know, it's my plan for the evening, too. It's my day off. This is what I'm going to do for the next two and a half hours. And when you get wrecked out, you know, in the first 15 seconds of the race, it's horrible feeling. Uh, Chris, he ran that night. Uh, he got a P15. He said he made a few rookie mistakes, lost some spots dodging other people's mistakes, but a good race for the most part. Uh, Thursday open. Mike, you led the way again. P4. <laughs> I hate to be the one that's getting all the good results all the time. Um, okay, so, yeah, this race Well, if Flowers was here, he would have the good result, right? Yeah, it'd be a good little competition. <laughs> um, yeah, this race was definitely a lot of fun. I started sixth place and um, ended up getting pushed back a little bit. Um, I believe I wasn't quite on the setup I wanted to yet. We were still practicing the other one, so I, I, I had a long-run car. And actually, unfortunately, I don't think Greg has been mentioned yet so i'll i'll jump on the rest of the story after greg's yeah so greg he ran he got a p30 wrecked out early by someone who kept bouncing off of the turn two wall yeah we that's Sorry, experience man. you got to see that you got to see him doing that and you're like okay he's gonna do it again i need to make sure that i have an escape route you know yeah, unfortunately, it was Greg's first first race all week, and he didn't he didn't really have the practice going into it. But he he had a great car as well. Uh, we were both pushing, and um, he was actually the only 
caution of that race, and I and I kind of feel bad because he loves racing long distance races, and it was quite early, so um, I believe it was like lap, I want to say 30s, that the accident happened, and the rest of it was all green. But um, I go back to my my little race there, and um, I ended up getting after the wreck, I fell back to six. Um, and then I ended up pushing all the way back into fourth by the time the end of the race after the caution. So it was it was pretty good. You were going forward, and and I, you were talking like I think if you had more laps, you you could probably get there, huh? I was one lap shy of catching third place. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe even beyond that is what I meant. Yeah. Oh yeah, within probably ten laps, I could have probably with been in striking distance within second, and maybe fifteen, twenty definitely would have been striking distance for first. Well, I tell you what, I ran and top split, and I always love it when I get in the top split because that's the goal, isn't it? It's a race with the best, and that's the best that you know in that particular event, and so. A lot of good racers in there with big, big eye ratings, okay? And so I stayed out on a late caution, okay, trying to sneak some some, some spots, you know. I was P7. Uh, the guy in fourth, now he spun out. He took out the whole field, including me. And I'm not saying, I don't think anybody made it through that, you know. And so everyone, you know, had to get their car turned around and get back going. And it's just wherever they slotted you in was where you finished because it was a, you know, checker after that. And, uh, but I ended up gaining spots, I think, I mean, or, well, roughly, I probably gained about three spots maybe, but, uh, I had an opportunity to get a top 10 if, uh, that guy hadn't wrecked us all. Yeah, it almost looks like he could have maybe even pushed for a top five there, Mike. Well, I mean, it was a quick, we were expecting a caution. I was just hoping it was behind me. And it it was the guy in the second row, and he just took everybody out. You know, it was horrible. Yeah, bad luck, man. Yep, Uh, Thursday fixed. Um, You ran again, Mike, P10. Uh, Barely, you said, squeaked by with the top 10. Yeah, they were all good races, and... I mean, like, when you're racing in Michigan, there's, when you're racing good guys, like you're saying, there's literally only one line, right? So you, the other guy needs to make a mistake or you got to push it over the limit and then hope that you're going to pass him in that turn or he's going to get the run on you and you're going to have to work that back in the next five or five laps, right? So yeah, it was good. It was a good race. I was happy with that, that finish, actually. All right, Friday open. I was actually off that day. Was able to run uh, a rare Friday open. Uh, P24. I got about halfway. Uh, spun off two by myself and wrecked, much like I did the first uh, event. And so twice I did that this week. And so that's on me. Uh, Chris, he uh, he ran. He said he was wrecked by a jackass that didn't take tires. Uh, it wasn't even a late start. Um, he had about 25 laps still left, probably. Uh, and Mike, you it says you got caught up in the same wreck, and you got P27. Yeah. See, I kind of feel bad about this one because Chris and I were, had really good cars, and we were pushing really hard on the restart. And like Chris said, um, what happened was we were going around one and two, and the guy that didn't take tires was actually first and second. First place pretty much got, got out of the way, like you're kind of supposed to, right, if, you, if you're looking for a caution. 
the other guy, the second placement, got hung up on the outside coming off of turn two. And what happened was he was getting loose coming off of turn two, so he was going super slow. And I mean, like, it was almost impossible to stop for this guy. But anyways, I was catch, we were catching up to this guy, and um, Chris kind of had a slot to go in the middle of him and another guy on the inside, and I didn't know he was directly, like, right beside me kind of thing. My spotter didn't call it. Um, I, I put a joke in here saying bad Phil because uh, actually Phil, our teammate, his his spotter voice is actually on one of the apps we use. It's actually really cool. And um, but anyways, I I saw Chris's nice green bright car and eventually turned it back back in the line and we nudged a bit, which was fine. He was still going. He had his run. But what what I had to do now was I was I had to break in time for this this car that was going like 25 or 20 25 miles per hour slower than us and i didn't quite get the stop i got i stopped enough so that it didn't cause us damage but i hit his back left corner and i put him in the chris and yeah that was that was it big pile up <laughs> yeah so bad finishes for both you guys for that yeah i feel bad man sorry chris <laughs> okay so sunday open uh, Greg, he ran P14, was running up front all race until a mistake coming off pit road got black flagged. Next restart got damaged on a wreck, went down pit road, and somehow got a lap down because of where the caution came out. Uh, race Mike late through the field to be the first car one lap down. And yeah. then P13, you were the first last car in lead lap with, with 13th, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, Greg and I were... We're actually racing each other the whole race through. Chris was in here as well. Um, he had a little bit better luck than us. But um, Greg and I, we went with a different setup this time. We were practicing practicing the setup for a while. And kind of want to give a small shout out to, if you don't mind, to Mr. Hammer. Um, we ran his setup that night, and it was it was great. Loved it. It was it was by far the fastest car on the track, and. Greg and I, it was a big, I think it was about 58 laps for the first first restart, before the first caution, I should say, and we had a green flag stops. Greg and I chose four, lap 40, and um, I believe the leaders went in, first and second went in about laps 30, so we we're, were gaining on them after the time that they gained, and we we're doing the numbers, and we, we probably would have been had about a lap, half a lap ahead of them by the end of the race if it went all green but um yeah ended up having some issues and uh actually what happened was another guy that didn't go into the tires and he ended up going slow off the restart i checked up same same time greg had his black flag and same time i believe chris had a little bit of issues and um what happened was he slid up to the top there was a guy that was pushing behind me because I backed up on the top side and they got into each other. I got black flagged before right. the, before the finish line. So, Yikes. Uh, yeah, yeah, Chris uh, had a P7. That was his best uh, for the week uh, that night. Up. Hook you guys up with the setup and you fail. <laughs> oh, hey, John. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty epic. So how did you change the set, Mike, as the the track wore in and whatnot actually in all honesty i made that baby even looser 
as, as the race went on and she hooked like uh, I was testing it and this is literally the first setup I was able to wear out the back tires more the back rear or the right rear more than the front rear that's how much I was power sliding off like I loved it I I love that setup in a huge way and so you got made it looser as the race went on okay yeah, well, that 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 setup is hundred percent all, all you, right? You gotta thread that pedal the whole way through, and if you, I don't know, you can get more power out of it if if you just thread it a little bit more, right? So you're always on the edge of that car. I don't know. It just looser was better. You really have to be up on the wheel, uh, up on the wheel this week is kind of the feeling I got, and if you just slip just a little you're done uh tony that's what happened to you are you back with us yeah i think i'm working now yeah there you are beautiful yeah so i i i guess i kind of followed your your lead uh on your on your monday was or the the first race that you had there uh the wednesday fixed race and yeah i i just uh one one little just not paying attention, whatever the case was. And I just nicked the wall coming out of two and set me sideways. And I, and I just couldn't recover, put me into the wall and blew it up. I was telling them how much you love your tracks down there as well. The rest of the race. Well, yeah, yeah, that was on my Wednesday. Um, that one was, I, I put a little bit more finesse in that one. Um, I did lose a couple of spots spinning through the grass, but, uh, I stayed away from the walls and I was able to get back on track safely and continue on <laughs> this one. Not so much. Yep. All right. Let's jump into the final race. Sunday fixed, uh, Tony, uh, P 10, uh, not a bad, uh, race. You said played it safe. Yeah, I mean, really nothing more than that. Um, I got humbled earlier in the day in the open race, so I said, "Forget it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna drive this thing for the first little bit, and then, you know, I'll start racing near the end." And uh, it worked out in my favor. That's cool. Uh, Greg, he finished P7. He said he had a top five car all race. Um, him and Mike got stuck behind a guy that was way too aggressive and cost you a lot of time. And then, uh, Mike, you got a P28 out of that. Yeah, that was, it was another race. Greg and I were also battling and running through the pack and it was just, it was an amazing race. And I mean, I have a lot written here about this race. I can really go into it, but the gist of it is like Greg said, we had a guy that was, he was super aggressive, and he was, a, he was the type of guy that you could see his car going around the corner, and he was barely keeping hold of it, not because the car was fast, but because his tires were too hot, right? Like, there's a big difference, and he was slowing us down. Like I said before, there's a one-line track, and um, slowing us down, slowing us down. Eventually, he, he uh, lost control of the car, saved it before the wall on the, after coming off turn two, um... I was warned he was coming back onto the track, but I looked over and he was coming really fast to the outside of the track. Like, I mean, like scary fast, right? Like almost lose control when he turns back. And uh, what happened was I, I made a judgment call of either breaking and letting him spin out or what I did was I thought I might be able to stay ahead of him. 
the issue with that is he I was able to but he was going so fast he ran me all the way up the track and you can see in my back left corner that he was literally right there and I, I had to go I literally went all the way into the wall and um he didn't hit me but I mean if I if I came down he would have spun me off into Greg and uh that's not exactly what teammates want to do to each other. <laughs> so I ended up putting it back into the wall and um waited till he came by and then I put myself down on his head. There's also a video out, I believe, of it somewhere. Yeah, I also put a video out of my race. Uh, another, a bad result. It's so bad, I didn't even look into what the finish was. I mean, it's probably P35. But uh, I was going down the back stretch. I was on the inside of a guy. I was a little bit ahead of him. I was minding my lane. I gave him plenty of room. You, If you watch the the marks on the pavement which are perpendicular to the wall i didn't budge an inch from going straight down that back straight i mean i was going straight and this guy just veers right into me he just runs right into me it noses me into the wall i get flipped over and run over and hit again and i'm done and, and wow don't forget they didn't even give you a caution for that like yeah no caution yeah it, Insult injury. Yeah, that was that was brutal, and I, I've seen the replay of that, and that is that's nasty. Like <laughs> he should have definitely been going straight. I don't know what he was doing. The next day, the guy did send me a private message through the forums, you know, saying, "Hey, I'm sorry. I know it doesn't mean anything, but I'm still sorry." You know, he said he was paying attention, he was watching me, and he somehow just drove into me. And I think, John, you've said that before. When people are wrecking, don't look at the car wrecking, right? Because you'll drive into them. Best, yeah, the best tip for that is um, either look to the inside and go that way or look to the outside and go that way. But if whatever you stare at, you're going to hit. It's just like swimming and diving and any other gymnastics or anything else. You go where your head goes and your head goes where your eyes go. Yeah, well, but we're going down the back straight of Michigan. I'm going in a straight line. I'm ahead of him. He's watching me, and he just drives into me is what happened. Uh, so I don't know what the heck to think. And, uh, you know, it, it's nice that he apologized, and I do appreciate that. But, man, it just, you know, I had such a bad week, and I lost so much eye rating. And then to top it off with that, it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, bad luck week. It's a good thing we're getting out of there. Bad luck year almost is what it's going down. All right, let's uh, jump into next uh, things. Uh, before we get into other items, there was a stat by uh, some stats put up by Matt Busa about Michigan specifically of uh, NIS fixed, and somehow I made the list again, guys. Uh, with I was on the top uh, ten for incidents, I was actually fifth this time with 113. Uh, the top was Gregory McKnight, 155 incidents at Michigan. I was also on the most starts list. I have, I'm fourth all time with 24 starts at Michigan. And then I was third in most laps completed with 2,432. And so I love making these lists. At least it wasn't, I wasn't the top of the incidents this time. Uh, actually, Gregory, I've been racing with him the last three races in the A Open. And my, he's uh, he, he's caused a lot of accidents in those races. 
He's, I think he's actually got the most incident points in my division, actually. Well, and I think, you know, we got to call out, obviously, the most wins at Michigan. Lester Dietz with five and Gary Powell with five. Good job, guys. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. All right, let's talk official racing. Uh, Mike, you did, uh, you embraced week 13, especially uh, the 13th week of Mazda Cup. Tell us uh, all about it. Well, I was getting hassled by David Flowers about my I rating. It was it was a 500. I mean, he had every right to hassle me about that I rating. <laughs> so I uh, I went on kind of on like a rampage. Like I picked a, pick a series this week or last week, and I uh, I won for number one really. And uh, what happened was I, I I was racing really hard. Won uh, seven wins, 16 top fives, and nine poles. Um, I finished first, but we were tied with 241 points. And uh, the tiebreaker must have been the wins because I had seven and he had six. Yep, there you go. Well, congratulations. You won it then. Thank you. And just want to say as well, I went from 500 to 1,750 I rating and just in that one week because of that. Now, that's not a division thing either. That I mean, you won out of everybody. Yeah, that's, I'm pretty sure it is everyone, yeah. Yeah, there's not a division in a week 13 thing, yeah, so congratulations, that's pretty cool. Thanks, I wish I got something for it though. Not even like a congratulations. <laughs> well, you oh, got a yeah. shout out on the podcast. Uh, the other fun yeah. thing we did uh, week 13 was the new free car, The Radical, and uh, you and I ran it with uh, Phil, teammate Phil Linden, and... Uh, I didn't do very well. I ended up wrecking and leaving early, but you guys finished off the race. I mean, it's a fun car. It, it feels a little weird because it feels like you're sitting in the right side instead of the left and, or even the center. Yeah, that car was a blast. Like, going from that MasterCard to that Radical, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to explain that, right? It's like, it's like putting... Have a boost engine on a go kart, right? Like that's crazy. Not not quite the same thing. I know. I'm sorry, but <laughs> oh, it it is like a giant uh, go kart because you really can throw it around, right? You you really ham, you know, muscle it. Yeah, you're not you're not going to win anything in that car if you're not feeling like you're going out of control. And I, I mean, like you're not even out of control either. It's just it's going so fast. <laughs> it's just. I don't know. You guys are just going to have to try it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough. Uh, but it's fun, and I, I had kind of fun with it. Um, it was a good little race. All right, let's jump into the next topic. Uh, NASCAR peak. Ryan Luza moves Ray Alfala to win at Michigan. Uh, it was a late race battle, and uh, there was contact made. Ended up putting Alfala into the fence. Um, it was about seven laps to go. I did, what did you guys think when you saw the video? Uh, I didn't see the race, but I didn't see the follow-up videos of the incident and, and whatnot and the ap- aftermath. And, you know, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way, the way that Ryan Luza made that move, because it's he's just one of those guys that, you know, if you're faster, go around. You know, I'm running this line. Go around me. Well, he's he's not one of those guys. He's one of those guys that will come up to you and go through you. 
And that's exactly what he did. He went right through a Ray Alfala. He got it right up on his bumper. It made him loose. It pushed him up the track. And then to top it off, he didn't give him any room, which ended up put him into the wall, basically. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say one thing. I totally disagree. Totally disagree. But I watched the whole race. I, I knew what was unfolding. I saw it happening. Actually, Keegan actually took out another guy as well, another leader, because because of the same thing. All they're doing is blocking in that race because it's the one line, right? You can't pass in that race. So, Luza, like, man, that man was driving the crap out of that car. Like, he was coming around like no tomorrow. And he had a, what happened was he, he went into the pits. He didn't go into the pits, sorry, when everyone else went in and he fell back. He worked his way all the way up. And I mean, like, he worked his butt off. And um, when he came up to them, they were not giving him an inch. He had to take it. And I don't think that second nudge was actually meant to hit Alfala. I, I don't think he was. He did push him out of the way, which... That's right. There were two kind of incidents there. I mean, the, the initial, bu- you know, bump him just a little and let him, you know, wash up. And, and if it, if that was all that happened, I'd be perfectly okay with it. Yeah. But it was the next incident where he just kind of tail hopped him into the fence. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if that was purposely done. Maybe it was. I don't know their history, right? But he was coming off there hard, and he might have thought Alfaro might have fallen off enough that he would have been cleared, or he was cleared by a spotter. Who knows, right? But. I think it was well justified to push push off all out of the way. It sucks with that second hit, like Mike says, but man, what a race for Ryan. And, and so what happened after the checker, Will? <laughs> hey, Will, you want to say that? or? Uh, we lost, Will. Okay. Oh, you guys got me back? There you are. Oh, sorry about that hotkey issue. Yeah, so it was um, Luzo was on a cooldown lap going down the back stretch scrubbing speed just cruising everybody was passing him and alfala came up and just doored him on his uh right side and sent him spinning um yeah it was it was interesting contact i think the on-track incident was kind of ray was blocking a little bit luza probably should have left him a little more room on exit but i mean they're racing really really hard um you got seven laps to go in a peak race and you know, they're both already locked into the playoffs. Um, I think it would have looked better for Luza if he left him a little bit more room. I mean, at this point, they're they're already locked in. There's no need. Like, they don't have to fight that hard for the win, enough to put the guy on the fence. But the contact going into three and four was justified. But I don't know if um, Ray just misjudged how hard he was going to bump him or if he was genuinely upset. He didn't really have a... It wasn't a nudge. He gave him a nice little door slam there. Yeah, he did, and sent him spinning. So it um, makes me wish they would have interviewed Alfala right then and there, kind of like you get out of cup race. But yeah, it's good hard racing, and that's the excitement the series needs. My favorite part of all that is when they did the highlights and they released the highlights, they left out Alfala's hit. Yeah, and uh, Ray did post up a statement on his Facebook page. I'll read a little bit here. Um, He said, not a big fan of the move that led to me getting put into the wall, but I was doing some blocking myself. Can't be too mad about it. Yeah, he definitely blocked the crap out of Michael Ryan. Right. 
a lot. <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know. It, yeah. We got a rivalry now. You know, but now does Keegan he owe him the one? Same thing, right? So yeah. Keegan was doing it, I believe. I can't can't remember who who he took out, but even he got blocked and he took him out. Like <laughs> it was a dirty race. It was dirty. Okay, so and what would happen if we put restrictor plates on these cars? And then what would we have? What a mess! Even dirtier, yeah. Right, it'd be more dirtier. That's my point. All right, uh, Will, what's next? World of Outlaw. Yeah, so we had a, another race. Um, Those uh, sprint cars are back after an off week, and uh, Alex Bergeron wins again. So back to back at Lima Land, um, he held off Austin Settleman. Um, it was a pretty straightforward race, nothing crazy. Um, couple incidents, nothing, nothing worth mentioning. It was um, surprisingly good after the last Charlotte race, considering that they were at the smallest track. So, yeah, it was just a really good week. Alex picks up uh, his second one in a row, one in the late models, and now one in the sprint cars, and things have kind of settled down there, which is really good. Hopefully, they could keep moving in a good direction. Yep. All right, well, uh, Alex, he is a real deal. He's going to, I mean, he's already been in a real race car. I'm sure a team's going to pick him up here soon. Yeah, he held a pro license. Um, I think he still does NIS. I don't think he does uh, the Grand Prix series anymore, and he's been dominant in these dirt cars. So, yeah, I think if um, they're looking to give somebody a shot, he's the guy to go to right now. He's pretty young, too. Yeah, if you get him in like one of those Keith Coons midget cars, um, kind of like Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson did, I guarantee you he'd shine and move his way up the ranks. Yep. All right, talking about moving up the ranks, uh, big announcement from NASCAR this time. They announced the eNASCAR Ignite Series and uh, lots of advertising on their website, uh, social media, they put out a big YouTube video on NASCAR uh, YouTube channel and at NASCAR.com. Uh, tons of uh, press trying to get people to understand about this new eSports series, which is the 13 to 16-year-olds uh, <clears throat> run the 12-week season in the iRacing Legends car. First race is uh, June 20th at Charlotte Legends Oval. Do they check your ID for these things? Well, <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know how I've they police that, around, but like, I'm sure <laughs> that there's a way that they do somehow. Like a joke, as in the guy was trying it into it. It seems like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Like, not to mention they're getting a great deal. Well, if I was 13 to 16, I'd be all over this. You know, this is awesome for them. And, you know, it's a NASCAR-sanctioned series, basically, just like Peak. Will yeah, it lead to anything? Who knows? But uh, it's cool that it, NASCAR is doing it. Yeah, they uh, that video they posted, I think um, Logan Clampett mentioned and caught my attention, is they had both iRacing and NASCAR Heat gameplay in that video. So I don't know if they're planning on doing multiple series on diff like multiple levels or what their goal is, but it's really cool to have the kind of e-NASCAR branding. I'll tell you exactly why they did that. If you look at the 16-second mark of the 30-second video, you'll see Brad Keselowski's uh, Blue Deuce 
And instead of Miller Lite, it literally says Blue Deuce. And so it's the kid-friendly version. Remember? I suppose with Trading Paints, we could make a kid-friendly version, too, that not advertise the beer cars. I don't, I've always never thought that was an issue. I was a big Sterling Marlin fan growing up, and he drove the Coors car. My dad was a big Rusty fan. He drove the Miller car. I knew what those logos were. I don't never understood the. Uh, I know, but the uh, in today's day and age, NASCAR is trying to push a series on thirteen to sixteen year olds. You got to be careful with that. They on on training paints. They have a paint that's called well, not called, but they have the Pornhub paint on there. Like, <laughs> there you go. I don't think that's pretty good for thirteen sixteen year olds. So, uh, what do you think about uh, this now? Again, this is NASCAR reacting without the RTS, the Race Team Alliance, trying doing their own thing. They're not working together with the teams. This is separate from what the teams were going to do. I mean, why can't we all work together here? Well, may, maybe they're using this as kind of like a, a precursor into something else. I mean, this is going to, you know, could create great opportunity for the younger drivers um and and you know get them started but they could also be using this as um well let's see how this is going to run and see how we can implement it more in you know in the future with possible race teams and going full out with it well i think you're right tony personally i think they're they're looking for something else to spark it right and i think this could definitely be it could be definitely a start. I think and, the 13 to 16 year old market's probably the one they're driving towards the most. I mean, NASCAR's had a giant fall off, and you want to build that next generation of fans. Um, I think that probably plays a big role into it because it's like NASCAR could go to the teams and say, "Hey, we did this with this demographic, and look how it take took off." If you guys invest in this, these are fans that we're going to grow. That's going to help you attract sponsors and grow your business into the future along with ours. Yeah. And it's, it says on this page, if the kids are not in, signed up for iRacing, there's a 99 one-year offer for 99 bucks. Yeah, they get the cars and all the tracks and SUs, and I believe for that $100. That's a good deal. Yeah. That's a beautiful deal. I believe it's the whole subscription, too. I think that's and you get all the NASCAR tracks? That's what I, think I read. all the ones yeah. the Legends are running at. So I think like yeah. Martinsville, and then you get a lot of the short tracks, I think like Langley and stuff like that. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's it's basically like it's an all-inclusive. 99 bucks, and and this will get you racing this, this series uh, from start to finish, and you get the year uh, subscription on top of that. Nice. And so they're throwing, on, they're throwing around the word, a new word called e-NASCAR. What do you think of that, e-NASCAR? Well, I think it's perfect. They have to separate them. Definitely can't keep calling them NASCAR and NASCAR, right? Right. So right. should the uh, peak also be known as e-NASCAR? I mean, you've got to tie all these things together. Yeah, I'd say they should definitely um, brand peak under the e-NASCAR banner. Um, I think it's a really cool looking logo. I'm not a fan of the new NASCAR logo because they've taken away a lot of like that color that was synonymous with it through uh, the 
90s and early 2000s and they kind of threw a little bit of that back with the e on that logo so i think it looks good and they should really classify them individually um would help minimize any kind of confusion yep all right uh, tony what's next Okay, well, it's it's poll time. This time, this is a poll that uh, iRacing put up on their Twitter. Um, asking, uh, which license are you going to focus on in Season 3? Um, and we got some results. Uh, 26% for Oval, 52% for Road. Uh, 19 for Dirt Oval and 3% for Dirt Road. So, um, <laughs> that's... Uh, the rally cross is is uh hasn't piqued a whole lot of interest but man over over half the people that voted said road is is where they're going to be focusing next season yeah i i often forget what a niche i think oval really is it's you know in our little world that's all we run mostly and uh i always forget but yeah 52 percent road that's bigger than i thought it would be I would honestly say I think it's probably the other way around. How many people have a oval licenses that we run with that have never even focused on road and then want to develop that? I think they should really ask people what kind of what series they're going to focus on to gain IR um, because obviously 3% dirt road is probably because there's only a C license cap. Yeah, and that, that series is never going to grow until it like you said, there's no cap, and they have a, a ladder system into different vehicles. And All right, uh, Mike, you got the next one, the Camber Debate. And, John, you can help out, too. <laughs> All right, Mike, uh, so this one is about the uh, new suspension geometry. And there's a lot of discussion in the forums about this. Uh, after the peak race, uh, some screenshots were put up that kind of called out, you know, how the cars are looking with this new package. Um, we all know that the fix we're waiting for is a new tire model, but we're still waiting for that. Uh, so what do you guys think about the, the way these pictures look? Uh, Christian Schallander uh, put up some very high-res pictures of the cars at speed and their attitude compared to the how they're stuck to the ground and what angle and whatnot. And you can see uh, a couple different cars here, including Keegan's car. Hammer, tell me what we're looking at here. Well, before I go and say anything, um, I just want to say that uh, iRacing obviously is working very hard at this. Um, They seem to know that there's uh, some solutions coming uh, with the new tire model. And Eric has put up some really informative posts on the um, topic. It's unfortunately called the um, Band-Aid topic, but uh, Eric has made some really good additions to some original posts in here. So um, I think that one, we should just be appreciative that they're engaging us and Eric's taking the time to write pretty detailed stuff in here about the intentions and some follow-up posts. And he even goes on to talk about what we've learned from this past week, some of which I talked about last week, which is that essentially the right front down is better, contrary to probably what we saw in peak last um, Michigan. 
Um, having the right front down is fast because you can maintain your camber over there. You have to understand that with the way the cars are set up, the geometry is sort of inverted. So previously, when the nose dropped down, you'd gain camber and we'd go from eight static in the garage to 15, 16 at speed. And there's ways, I've done some tutorials on how to check that. I did what we call down a, a pull down test. And you run the car down to your ride heights that show up in MoTeC and it'll show you your camber all flashing red and everything. Well, what's happened is, is that you can still gain some camber if you, if you sort of leave the left side higher by, I don't know, I was looking at an inch and a half, two inches, but Eric came back and basically said an inch will get it done. So normally what you see in NASCAR itself is you'll, you'll see that the right side of the car is, let's just say an inch higher on the right than it is on the left. So the passenger side is sitting an inch higher than the driver's side, right? Well, in iRacing, it's the inverse. And the reason for that is um, just more or less that there's no limit to the heat in the tire. Um, the real world tire has some limits on the heat that it can handle and it'll sort of disintegrate. Well, iRacing tire won't do that. They know that, everybody knows that. So the gig is, is who can figure out how to get the most camber out of the right front tire and even at cost to the left front. Now there's some debate, okay? There's some debate about, I guess still, whether or not the aerodynamic loss and some of the other issues with running the left front higher than the right front in the long term, uh, long run, especially if that'll pan out. In my testing, I've found that running left side higher is faster in the short run, but it's not, you're gaining like tenths, you're not gaining, you're not gonna lap the field that way. So right. sort of the where I'm at right now for me is I'm, I'm looking at providing setups that look more like the NASCAR stuff with the right side, the passenger side higher than the driver's side. But I think you'll see the super fast guys, especially guys looking to be quick on a short run, running this peak stuff. They, yeah. are, they are nose up and they are tail down. It's been that way since 2015. That hasn't changed. So last week when we talked about this, we weren't far off and you guys and everybody on the sim had access to that information. So it's, um, that's kind of where we're at now. Yep. And so waiting for that tire and uh, hopefully that'll change things up again. I'm sorry, Mike, about that. I was talking, but, uh, I was talking to myself apparently. Oh, okay. No problem. Uh, do you have any thoughts about this uh, topic, Mike? It's very complicated, as uh, John alluded to. Uh, another guy that's really good with setups, uh, he post David Cater, who we've heard from before, uh, he posted up, uh, I'll be happy if contact patch actually means something again. And so a lot of people are real not, ha not real happy with what's going on and with the setup, the way these cars are, the, the suspension changes they did as a, you know, I, I don't know if it was a Band-Aid. It sounded, when Eric posted, it sounded like he was saying, we intended this to go out with the new tire all along, but the new tire wasn't ready, but it still has some advantages, so we put it out anyway. The suspension changes. Yeah. Um, I'm happy they did something, at least. 
Well, just to round this off, again, thank you to Eric and for the patience that the staff is providing because there's some, been some very strong. I've tried to really try hard not to um, to be strong about this. I'm trying to provide suggestions and some other people are providing suggestions. There's people who know more about this in the real world that I do who are saying a lot of stuff behind the scenes that ultimately Eric has made a lot of posts here and um, we're going to have to just live with what we have until the tire model comes out and it could be worse. Um, we could be tricycling the cars. We could be doing a lot of bad stuff that happened before. So it's the world isn't ending here, but um, hopefully we can run these things with the splitter down. Or one more thing to that as well, before I forget, Mike, if you don't mind. Um, on, on the post, on one of these posts of the screenshots of Keegan's car, Keegan actually makes a comment on it saying that the individual that took the shots has better screenshots of his car than his own. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, yeah. As soon as the race is over, you don't think it's over for some of these guys. They're taking screenshots of everybody else trying to see what they're doing with their setups. Am I not right, John? I'll say that again. Well, like uh, after the race, I mean, the first thing Christian Schalliner is doing is he's looking at Keegan's car to see how he's got it set up, right? Well, everybody's doing that. I've had <laughs> all the last week when I was doing testing, you could watch the rooms populate wherever I went, which makes sense because of the amount of posting and information and stuff that I provide, right? But it was sort of a weird phenomenon. Like I go into a room and then, and it was cool in some ways because people would ask me a ton of questions. You know, it was a lot of questions coming about what are you doing, how are you doing this, all PMs. And then, you know, when the session would end, five people stick around and they're like, Hammer, so you're running the monster truck out there. How's it work? You know, and I give a report on it. And then I would obviously have to go post that in the forum, but it's actually really hard to do testing and stuff to you know to to figure out what's really going on here so i even forgot the question that you asked me i'm sorry <laughs> well you uh, it, that it. people are taking pictures to look at the attitude of these cars i mean oh, oh yeah i mean we all have the guys who build these things um iRacing provides high quality replays that the ground height and stuff isn't spot on but once you figure out the relationship okay so it took me a while to look at the difference between my car, my setups being driven by other people, right? So I give all these setups out, people drive them, and then I will go and watch them race so that I know the difference between them and the replay and that same setup for me when I'm live and there's a difference because you don't get the same data, right? So I created a baseline from that. So I can go and look at anybody else's car with any setup in it, and I'll know what the differences are. So everybody else is doing the same thing. Like you can see Christian, the pros, these guys are all in there with cameras at every angle you can imagine. Zoomed in, top, bottom. People will look at, I've looked at track bars. I've spent it hours and hours and hours just watching various people's um, rear roll. Their, um, the axle movement, the splitter deltas. And I've gone so far to put um, straight edges on my monitors and trace paper and stuff and see what's going on that's why you are fascinating most, yeah most of the pros and stuff will do all this in a hosted session and that's yeah. one of the reasons they do that 
Now, for the new guys, the way to do that is uh, when you're in a replay, uh, put it on like far chase and then do control F12 and then use the WASD key to move the camera around. Uh, use also alt and control with those same keys for going up and down and different things like that. Yeah. But you can put the camera wherever you want it. If you want to put it on the left rear spring and see how that spring compresses, you can do that. Yeah, that's how I, I got that one. On that's how I got that one Coke 600 setup dialed in. I was changing around that camera like crazy for those, what, the 1,200 laps that we did on it? <laughs> like, oh, man. You combine that with telemetry, and it's really powerful. Well, even just looking at it like that with the close, like close ranges, and at every corner, you can you can kind of dial it in anyway. Well, with sound anyway, you know when you're hitting the ground and stuff. Well, I mean, I probably was still hitting the ground. I didn't know about it, but all right, let's jump on. We got to keep moving here. Uh, the next topic is uh, an article by Jalopnik.com. And uh, they did an article about how to build a virtual racetrack. And so they went to iRacing and did an interview and uh, did a written article, a feature article, as well as a video. And uh, the video is very cool because it shows a lot of the iRealities that we always talk about, like Eric Kudek um, and... Uh, the, all the other guys. And so, like, for example, Eric is from RCR. Uh, one of the other guys uh, is from the Penske team. They used to be on those teams. And, Steve um, Reese. Steve Reese, exactly. That's who I was thinking of. Uh, Dan Garrison uh, talks. Uh, he's an iRacing software engineer. <clears throat> he's responsible for making tracks dynamic. Um, <clears throat> mentioned two things we don't have in the sim at the moment in this video. Uh, one was how water affects the track, and second one was something called polish level. Polish level is how worn in the track is and how that affects grip. And so there's already a discussion on the forums about polish level. Uh, John, you were participating in that, I believe. Yeah, which one? Polish level. Yes. Yeah, I can talk about that a little bit. Basically, all the tracks have the same... Uh, sandpaper effect right now <clears throat> and once we get polish level then we'll have a difference between old asphalt new asphalt is that correct uh yeah and it's funny because the people who follow my discussions about that you know uh, aaron vogel was like oh, we were thinking of you hammer when this came up <laughs> because um i do a lot of pavement work in my real job and not my hobby job um Asphalt, I specify asphalt. Um, I inspect asphalt, not as much as my peers do because they're actual um, DOT you know, inspectors and go through training and stuff. But I also specify concrete and all these different aggregates, exposed aggregate, all kinds of concrete, bricks, things you just, because I'm a landscape architect. So civil engineer, I work with civil. So when I started seeing the new surface model come out, I was really excited because the base track for all the iRacing tracks, which is not me saying this, is uh, Eric actually, and I quote him often on this. They apply a single abrasive quality to the racing surface. So from the, let's just say from the yellow line at Atlanta, or the white line all the way up to the wall, 
has one abrasive quality. If you know anything about pavement and asphalt, there's a couple of things. Not all asphalt has the same thermal properties and not all asphalt uses the same aggregate and the same like uh, cookie dough mix, right? Some people use more chocolate chips. Some people use more sugar. So some of the rocks that are in there, the actual rocks can be round, they can be angular, and they get polished. So every time a car goes over that, a lot of things happen. The rubber will fill in the actual microscopic voids that are in the asphalt that wear out because of rain. And essentially the, the outcome is, is that you get different, um, you get actually get different asphalt between the warning groove, the middle groove, and the top groove, so to speak. And that happens at an asphalt. Concrete's different. Uh, concrete doesn't wear like that. Concrete takes rubber different. Concrete puts down rubber in long strands. Asphalt can take down rubber in chunks, strands. It can go down like uh, paste. Um, and all of the stuff that they might be doing with this polish should help everything else with the, the rubber, which is a huge part of the sim, our ability to race in multiple grooves. And I, I can't speak for eye racing, but just speaking on the technicalities of how the surface works, that should be an outcome if, you know, kind of like dirt where you get the slick spot and then you get the, the loose material. I, I think it makes dynamic tracks more dynamic. I mean, we have temperature swing in the track, and now this will add abrasion yeah, factor. Really, we have, our dynamic track is really heat, right? The track gets hot, and there is a microfilm that gets put down, but you've got to have no cautions a lot of laps and a lot of cars for that turn two, turn four exit to really show, feel, and report rubber in it. So this will change that, I expect. I can't guarantee it. I'm just going off of what I'm reading. Yeah, big announcement that kind of slipped into this video that I don't think anyone has ever talked about that they were you know, working on this, really. It's a major deal. Uh, for me, you know, as a technical person on that kind of stuff, it's a really fundamental part of the surface and the results and how we race. Now, the rest of this video, I mean, if you watch it, you're going to see the actual iRacing tools they use to build these tracks, including where you can see the temperature swings, uh, green to, to yellow to red, you know, depending how hot it is. Uh, they also show... Uh, the different objects that they have where they can, you know, just work on those and spin around and see a 3D image of it and whatnot. And I've it's kind of telling. Got, I've actually gotten the opportunity to work with Dan Garrison. I think because this issue has been resolved, I can talk about it. Hopefully I don't get banned. <laughs> there was a mo there was a period of time when the um, we were getting DX, DX9 and DX11 running at the same time. and the track temperature would report different for DX9 than it would DX11. So I quietly uh, reported this to iRacing and they through the channels, they got me to Dan and we were doing some back and forth discussions about what was going on. So we sent some replays. I had my entire team send replays over to Dan directly to confirm that there wasn't an actual issue with the track temperature. And because of that correspondence, it was really cool. I got to actually see um, he showed some of the, you know, temperatures at different spots on the track and stuff. So um, that that was 
it's pretty cool to see this in public, I guess. Yeah, check out this video if you want to take a look at that. Um, I mean, the other thing you'll see is you get to see the faces of these guys, some of these engineers, like Steve Reese, and put a face for the name. And uh, at the end of the video, they even bring Scott Speed back, and Scott Speed talking with Steve Reese uh, about how they developed the uh, Volkswagen car and uh, how that development process went and all the different feedback back and forth between the driver and the iRacing development team and and uh, they got the car to be really accurate and that was also part of the video as well very cool video Jalopnik has tons of uh, readership in fact uh, I think it says here uh, 12,000 reads so far so very cool uh, press for iRacing there all right, Will, what's next? The Will. <laughs> Man, my hotkey is giving me a hard time. You guys got me okay? Yeah, there yeah. it is. Man, sorry about that. I keep clicking onto the web page and it's not activating. Um, yeah, we I'm going to punch um... out here quick, guys, before Will jumps on. Wife won Teacher of the Year award here, so I'm going to go. All right, well, congrats to her. Yeah, Thanks for coming in, John, and telling us about that stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, guys. Hey, good luck, and I'll be talking to you. Okay. Yeah, so sorry about the hotkey. User there, disconnected everything. from um, your channel. So there was a patch this morning, uh, Season 3, Patch 1. A um, couple of things that uh, they included in it is you now fall back to IPv4 automatically if there's issues with IPv6 uh, as far as networking goes. They adjusted some tolerances when you're exiting pit roads, so you should see a few less penalties. Uh, new Jumbotron animations... Uh, backfires and gear shifting sounds have been updated for, it looks like, all the stock cars. Uh, the dirt midget had the left side arm guard removed, which um, looks really nice. Um, there's been multiple season setup updates, and there was a few balance of power adjustments for the Ferrari GTE and the new Subaru GRC car. All right. Um, I just want to say the backfires, they sound absolutely amazing. When I was testing at Sonoma today, it... It's beautiful. Nice. As you're, so you're going down in gears, you'll hear it? Yeah, you hear it. But even going, like, even if you're running, like, a high high gear two, and you're just letting it kind of wind down with the brakes, it, it sounds great. Like, there's a big difference, actually. All right. Well, that's season three, patch one. All right, Tony, what's next? Well, I guess... Uh... There's a LMP1 driver swap bug. Um, there's uh, it's it's been reported and confirmed by iRacing that did not get addressed in today's patch. Um, the issue affects the LMP1 cars and is usually triggered by driver swaps. It looks like the the setup changes when the second driver takes over the car. Um, now, when when the uh, the original driver gets back in, it'll it'll revert back from what I've been reading, but um, and this would uh, this would totally change those races, I have to imagine. Yeah, so the first driver drives perfectly fine. Second guy gets in, wrecks. Can't drive it at all. Can't even make a turn in it. How come? And so yeah. they figured it out. I mean, there's something. I mean, I, they haven't figured it out to fix it, but they figured out that there's a bug. And they did it by matching up telemetry 
from both the drivers, and you can see it in the telemetry, apparently. So pretty cool. Uh, Dave Kamer actually uh, responded to this, too, uh, who's the founder of iRacing, and he rarely posts. Remember, the last post we got from him was about 14 weeks ago about the new tire. <laughs> Yeah, I think, that, I mean, that LMP one was a big ad for the sim, and I think that's probably why he's on top of it. That's a, that was a, probably a, not an easy car to get into the sim, and want to make sure things go smooth for these endurance events and stuff of that nature. Yeah, uh, he said a workaround is to make sure everyone on your team has run a test session and loaded the same setup before connecting to the team session. And so... I think the problem is is driver A loaded the team setup when he entered the as a team and then driver B had some other setup loaded last time and then when he gets into the car that setup is loading, not the team setup is what it sounds like. I'd almost assume it would probably take a hybrid of the two setups because everybody's mentioning when these changes happen, it's like a completely different car. Um, yeah, something weird powerful. for sure. All right, uh, Mike, you got the next one. Missing fixed setups. All right, so Brody Hanna asked about missing fixed setups on the forum. Uh, Chris Widener responded, just about all the, st the stock cars needed setups this season. Not only the stock cars, but some road cars too. With all the different tracks and fixed setup series, it's large task for our setup builders. We decided to complete the ones that are on the 12-week schedule first. Uh, we are working on the rest of the tracks, which is even more than what's done now. I wish I could give you a completion date for the rest of the setups, but I can't right now. As soon as they are done, they will be released as soon as possible. Sorry for any inconvenience. So, that's interesting that they have to redo all the setups from the build. I mean, what was it that changed so much that they have to redo all of them? I think they just, when they redid the setup geometry... Um, that was only the stock cars, right? Yeah, but when reading back through Eric's post, I think like they really reconfigured all the components. Um, stuff that we don't get a fiddle around with. So I'm going to bet you that's a big chunk of it. As far as the road cars, um, I'm sh not too sure there, but. Yeah. Well, hang out. You'll get a setup eventually. <laughs> yep. All right, let's jump into hardware software. Uh, I was fooling around on week 13 just going, why is my hard drive so full all the time? I have 500 gigabytes, and how do I fill this up? I don't have anything really but iRacing on this computer. So I started looking around, I, I did a search on the C drive, and I filtered by files that are super large or something like that. And most of the files that came up were telemetry files in a iRacing folder on, in my documents, you know, backslash iRacing, backslash telemetry. And so guess what I did? I went into that folder and highlighted everything and hit delete. And then I decided to uh, uninstall iTunes as well, because I never use iTunes anymore. And 
Uh, with both of those things combined, it removed 183 gigabytes off my uh, 500 gigabyte hard drive. That's impressive. Yep, made a big chunk. Uh, I was, you know, basically down to like 40 left, and so um, I w- I'm glad I figured it out. So I just wanted to mention this because, guys, if you have telemetry turned on, you're just filling up your hard drive if you're not using it. Yeah, I actually just started using mine, starting to use it with the Motec stuff, so unfortunately mine will be filling up, I guess. <laughs> I probably have to keep an eye on it now. Well, like, that's the thing. Me. Go back and remove the old ones, you know, as you go. Yeah, definitely. I should do that probably every weekend. They're big files. I mean, the files I had were huge. Yeah, but I run long records, races. Yeah, if it records the telemetry for the entire race, that's, I mean, it's a ton of data, ton of data. Yep. Now I'm on that thing where where I'm uploading t- uh, the VRS telemetry logger to the VRS website, so my teammates who are on VRS can see my stuff, so to speak. And so I think I have to have it on for that thing to work. Um, I think it comes in a third-party app, the VRS one. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I have that installed, but I still think you have to have the iRacing telemetry on. Yeah, now that I think about it, I think it auto-turns on. Right. I think I've seen options somewhere, um, I don't know if it was in iAnalyze or in the VRS, where it can actually delete the iRacing telemetry file once it's done getting what it needs for some of those third party. Um, that's probably something worth looking into. All right. Uh, hardware, software, I got the first one. A new app uh, put out by Arturo Boz. It's on the forums. It's called iRacing Config, all one word. And he's got a website, bitser, B-I-T-S-E-R dot org, bas- backslash iRacingConfig.shtml. And it's an app that allows you to edit all the iRacing INI files simultaneously using a simple interface to create a single profile that you can edit, copy, and apply to iRacing at any time. <clears throat> and so what you do is you have different profiles set up with this app that will reconfigure your app INI and various iRacing INIs uh, different ways. So okay, I'm going to stream. And so you click on the streaming profile and it sets it up to be on one screen only with, you know, everything set up just perfectly for one screen. And then you have another profile that's for, I'm going to go VR racing. Or I have another one that's for, I'm going to go triple screen racing. And what it does is you run it and changes the I and I's so you don't have to go into the sim and change your FOV and change your, you know, one to three and then close the sim and relaunch it and all that. If you know the settings, you can actually change them in the app INIs, and this little program will give you a quick way to change those files out. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah, and um, I actually uh, downloaded it and uh, opened it up, and it's oh, it's it's very easy to read, very clean. Um, you know, they, they, they've got it grouped into... Uh, We'll call it like menus of drop downs. Um, so, you know, for 
uh, graphics. You hit the graphics, uh, hit the little plus sign. It opens up and gives you all the, the various things under that heading. Um, it makes it, uh, yeah, really, really easy. Very nice to look at. Yeah, I mean, people are doing this already with having separate separate sets of app INIs on their computer in different folders and moving them into the iRacing folder before they launch the sim and moving the original ones out and that kind of thing. This is just a tool to make this so much easier. You just load up a profile that you want, boom, you're done. It's not a bad idea, and it might make me rethink doing uh, streaming because that's why I stopped doing streaming because I have triples. I had to reconfigure it to be on one screen only really to make streaming work right. And then when I wanted to race, I had to switch everything back to triples. It was the biggest pain in the butt. And so if maybe if you could use something like this to make it easy, you know, maybe I'd reconsider. All right, uh, Tony, you got the next one. Yeah, so with the last build, uh, Fanatec came on as a title sponsor for two of the iRacing Road Series. With that partnership came some free gear up for grabs for the iRacing community. Winners were finally announced. Want to congratulate Andre Pedrera from Club Iberia for winning the Club Sport uh, V2.5 base and wheel and Jim Hall from Club New York for winning the $50 in iRacing credits. Uh, <laughs> not a bad deal at all. I mean, those those are some pretty sweet prizes, i got to say. Yeah, a new wheel? Hell yeah. Oh, $50. Yeah. Well, somebody got a wheel. That's nice, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> like, uh, the winner got a wheel, and then the, the other winner got $50. What, what did he win? What was it? Do you know? Which one? It was a Club Sport V2.5. I think it's the Global Challenge Series, and then there's another one I can't remember. I think the one that used to be called Proto GT that runs the Aston Martin and the Corvette. Um, but yeah, I think you got to run the whole season and use the Fanatec logo as your primary sponsor in iRacing. And then it was just a raffle from there of everybody who did that. Oh, okay. So that's not bad then at all. That's some good luck. Yeah. So I was just looking up here. the uh, The fifty dollar iRacing credit was for uh, voting in the poll. So it must have been a, uh, you know, kind of draw your name type deal. But hey, man, fifty bucks is fifty yeah. bucks. Well, if it, if it didn't have to raise for it and it was just for that, then that's amazing. Well, I guess even for fifty bucks, right? That's what three tracks, almost four. There you go. All right, uh, Will, what's next? Uh, yeah, we got some um, information as far as uh, the way frames per second are affected by the new Bloom effect. Um, Sean Nash uh, gave some insight about how Bloom affects the FPS. He says, Bloom isn't free. So we didn't enable it by default, but it is near. it is a near constant cost. It always uses about the same amount um, every time. So percentage-wise, it is worst case in testing at a small track, less percentage-wise in a very complex scene. So yeah, they disenabled Bloom um, as far as the graphic settings go by default because it is uh, resource-heavy. So Bloom is when it's night and you look at a light 
and you kind of see not just the light, but the light kind of streaming off of it and going each direction, that's blue. Kind of like when you see the sun comes through clouds? Kind of, yeah. I, that's going to look amazing. Right, you know, like it beams out kind of thing, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so you got to have the graphics card to be able to uh, handle it, and you got to turn it on because it's turned off by default. So that's something to think about, guys. I, don't, I haven't turned anything on because I have a lot of my crap turned off. I tried it in VR. I didn't even see the difference or the effect of the light, but I did feel the uh, effect on my uh, FPS, so I just turned it off and left it off. All right. Yeah, and you get a good GPU, right, Will? So I guess if you can't see it, we want it. Yeah, I don't know if the VR is good enough to notice that kind of smaller detail. All right, Mike, you're next. Uh, Kyle Larson shows us his new toy. Yeah, Kyle Larson posted a video on Twitter showing off an RC car modeled after his Chili Bowl iRacing midget. Um, you can get this from... Uh, one RC, uh, I believe it's a dash, right? Right. Dash, yeah. Yeah, dashracing.com. It looks pretty cool. I mean, this is a tiny little model of a midget. It's got the iRacing colors, and it's a complete remote control. He's got the control, and he's showing uh, how the wheels turn left or right and whatnot. Pretty cool. It looks pretty detailed, for sure. Yeah, I did go on that website and try to find it specifically. Uh, I didn't see any with the actual iRacing color. They have a black one and a red one. 180 bucks. I don't know if that's everything or just the car. That sounds about right, though, for something like that. If it's nicely modeled and works and moves, definitely 180 bucks is probably a good price. Yep. Well, if you want an iRacing midget, there you go. I don't know if you guys saw it. iRacing actually tweeted back to him a picture of one of those midgets driving around the office. Um, they're at iRacing headquarters nice. saying, do you guys want to race? Oh, I see that now. That'd be pretty epic. Showing it in action. All right. Well, yeah, you can see it running around. It's pretty quick, too. All right, let's jump into final topic. Uh Another spotting by Rubens Barrichello uh, in iRacing. Um, put on Reddit uh, by one of the iRacers over on Reddit. Uh, he was pretty impressed to be racing with Rubens and Eduardo Barrichello. Both uh, father and son were in the same race. And uh, he put up a screenshot of it. But yeah, Rubens has been around a long time. Uh, former Formula One driver. Pretty cool. I saw a picture early in the week, Bang. Wish I saved the link because I couldn't find it this morning, but he did a lap at um, Belle Isle in, a, I think, a GTE car that was almost over seven seconds faster than everybody else in the room. It is pretty impressive. Um, is anyone watching my one race? Because in that road race, there was a Rubens Barrichello. I, I have to go back and look because... I think it was Phil actually who was who was there looking at the race, and he's like, "That can't be the actual guy because he was going, he was behind me, right?" And it looked like he was going slow, and then all of a sudden he passed me like he was on rails. So 
Yeah, it's I'd a, have to it's check him. that out. Now, lots of times he lets his family run under his name as well. This particular screenshot from this Reddit user shows both his his account and his son's account are active in the same room. But he, he's been known to have his son let run under his name before. Would they run under Formula 2.0? Yeah, who knows? Like uh, Will said, he's no slouch, so. Doesn't look like it, Division 1. <laughs> All right, that's it. Let's get into final thoughts. Uh, Michael, what you're first. What do you got? Um, all in all, we had a great week in Michigan. I, I just want to say I wish you luck at uh, Sonoma, Mike. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. And um, I want to thank iRacing for their awesome adjustments. And I also want to thank iRacing Lounge for having me on the podcast tonight. And one last thank you goes out to... Uh, John Hammer for that wonderful set on Michigan. I can't wait to see another another set what he's got. And uh apologize again for for you, Chris. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, Chris wanted to mention also uh that Hammer actually uh, was uh spotting for Chris in one of these races this week at Michigan and prov- was providing him really good feedback about how to drive and what to do and this and that and and John had to leave. He didn't stay for the whole race. But I remember Chris saying, boy, that was very helpful, you know, when that. So he wanted to mention that. He didn't only just help him with the car. He gave him um, a lot of feedback with the way he was driving and how to drive it kind of thing as he was driving it, which was very important, right? Yeah, and I think Chris was saying he definitely picked up something for sure. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, uh, Tony Gross, final thoughts. Well, uh, Michigan has uh, come and gone. Um, I, I really like that track. I find it, you know, really challenging, um, but also really rewarding at the same time. Um, you know, the the races were, were were pretty good, even in my lowly splits. Um, you know, that we got some good green flag racing in, uh, which is always fun. I'm not so good on the on the short runs, but on the longer runs, I seem to excel. So I'd love to see more of that going down the road. Um, as for next week, Sonoma's coming up. Boy, oh boy, I'm crapping my pants. I'll be honest with you guys. Um, I've, I've, I've not turned, uh, one wheel at Sonoma before, and I'm not particularly good at road races, but I'll give it the old college try anyways. And hopefully my I rating doesn't take a worse beating than I usually give it. So (laughs) that's it for me this week. And it's your oval I rating, by the way. Yeah, yeah, even better, right? Right. So, uh, I tell you what, Tony, if you can keep it on the track at any speed at all, I guarantee you, you will have a top 10 if you can keep it on the track for the whole race. Go as slow as you want, as slow as you want. I guarantee you'll have a top 10. Well, I finished other races in reverse. Maybe I'll do that with this one. <laughs> I mean, in the split you're in, I mean, these are oval racers running a road course. Yeah, it's going to be carnage. You know, m- most people will not finish that race. I'll tell you now, Tony, it is a lot of fun getting around that thing. Well, I mean, uh, last last year when Watkins Glen came up, that was my uh, first time doing that one as well. Um, and I actually rather enjoyed it. Um, and I did end up pulling out a good finish um 
one of the two races that I that I ran there last year. So, you know, we'll see. I'll try and stay positive, but I uh, I, I usually want to duck my head under a pillow when road racing comes up. Yeah, me too. And and don't forget, there's no cautions. Okay, there's it's not like a normal race where you you want to qualify. You not qualifying is just a descent. I mean, wait, they they're not letting us have cautions. There's no cautions at Sonoma, no matter what. Yes, I'm loving this already. So it's green the whole time. So you you really have to qualify. I mean, I don't think not qualifying is not an option. You know, this because is of that. Be epic. This is gonna be. You so just got to survive that first couple turns, and you, everyone will get in the line, and and you roll on. I can't wait. Yeah, I, it'll be I fun. I really can't wait. Well, let's see. Uh, William Gibson, final thoughts. Yeah, that same same hotkey issue again. I gotta figure this out. Um, yeah, not a whole lot here. I'm actually really looking forward to Sonoma. I have uh, Wednesday off next week. I'm gonna try to get both starts in. Um, that's probably one of my favorite tracks in any sim. So, really, really looking forward to that. I know I haven't been racing a whole lot, but uh, hopefully you guys notice I put a lot of work into the podcast script and stuff of that nature, and really enjoy doing that. So, just glad you guys keep me around. Really yeah, appreciate thank the you. Work. Yeah, it really helps. Uh, uh, we do appreciate that. Thank you. All right, my final thoughts, uh, boy, Michigan. I, I sucked, and uh, I, you know, I wrecked myself a couple times all by myself. I got wrecked by another guy going straight. You know, everything that went wrong. You know, I got wrecked at the beginning of the race by someone. You know, spinning their tires. But the whole thing about spinning their tires on restarts and taking out the field—that was a common common thing this week in all the races all the splits and boy it's just crazy at michigan how that works sonoma i'm just looking to get my one start and move on whatever i get i get you know get some points and i'm done i won't be running multiple times i'm not a road guy i i don't want to mess up my oval rating any more than i've already done so i'll do my my one start and be done for the week probably so um and with that, I guess that's it. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.